We've got Mediterranean bowls driving some spicy numbers and two retailers on opposite ends of major trends. Motley Fool Money starts now. I'm Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined over the airwaves by Motley Fool analyst Jason Moser. Jason, thanks for joining me today. Howdy. We've got updates from Target and TJX and a look broadly at retail. But we're going to start out today talking about one of the market's newer entrants, Kava. The fast casual restaurant brand gave its first quarterly update yesterday. And Jason, I love the harissa at the restaurant. And I got to <laughs> say, I like the results from this business so far. This seems like exactly the kind of quarter that you want to see first earnings report from a newly public company. Yeah, totally agree. I'm right there with you. I'm a big Kava fan. I think I think it's delicious. So I I do find myself frequenting there more and more. You know, several months back, we we did a show where we sort of asked right before Kava was going public. You know, is this going to be the next Sweet Green or is it going to be the next Chipotle? Right? Which one? Which one is it going to be? Because Sweet Green not working out so well. Chipotle, well, we know we know how that's worked out. Right now, I mean, this sure, this sure feels like it, it has the potential to be more Chipotle-like. Maybe at a smaller scale, but but still, I mean, the, the numbers here. I, this is exactly what you what, what they wanted to see. I, I think for their first quarter reporting, the company now has 279 restaurants. The results, I mean, 18.2 percent comp growth. I mean that that. That is very Chipotle-like, right? I mean, I remember the days where Chipotle was lobbing those numbers up quarter after quarter. They saw 10.3% growth in traffic. Uh, digital mix is is a good a good uh, mix of revenue there. 36.1% of of the overall business, and I, and I think that you know that's something having having been a, a a consumer of Kava for a while. I mean, they they did a very good job of getting into that app game quickly, right? I think they realized the benefits of that, and and so they they've built out a very good digital presence, which I think is going to continue to to pay dividends for for many years to come. You look at the the restaurant level profit margin, twenty six point one percent. That was up four hundred basis points from a year ago. Uh, and and just for comparison's sake, I mean, you look at Chipotle, they're they're recording that 27.5 percent uh, on the on that restaurant level margin. So again. Very similar uh, in experience and in business performance uh, to, to Chipotle. I think the one the one question you know in, in digging into this before they went public and sort of understanding the market opportunity there, in understanding they also you know they acquired Zoe's before before they uh, ultimately uh, went public. But that they based on their research and their S one they they feel like there's potential to have uh, one thousand or more uh, restaurants here in the U S by 2032. And that's you know as I said at the top there are 279 restaurants now so I mean we're we're looking at a a good runway for potential growth there but to put that in context right you get Chipotle with somewhere in the neighborhood they're better than 3200 restaurants now right so I I don't know that this is a restaurant concept that necessarily can get as big as Chipotle but it it certainly is one that I think can be successful to 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 a to a comparable level, right? I mean, I think it can be similar to that story. And, and being that it's still so early in its growth, uh, yeah, I mean, there there could be there could be some opportunity here for investors. Again, it's first quarter. We'll learn a lot more as they report more and more quarters. And you have to figure they probably will run into a a food safety issue at some point or another. Uh, that's just sort of part and parcel with the restaurant business. So, so understanding how they respond to that, I think, will be uh, will be enlightening. But, but absolutely, like you said, a, a great first first report. Yeah, looking at a restaurant business like Kava, I mean, you basically have two main growth levers. You have opening new stores 
and you have your existing stores continuing to perform. This is a business so far what we're seeing with these results, both of those levers moving in the direction you want them to. And I think what's worth zooming in on that that comps number you threw out there before, Jason, 18%. Traffic grew 10%. As you mentioned, menu prices also grew, but 10% is incredibly strong growth for a restaurant business just based on the thing that is organic and is going to continue to drive results, bringing people in the door, rather than what's a little bit less sustainable with those menu prices. Yeah, no question. I mean, traffic is always a good thing to pay attention to. And I think really that that's something they I, I think they'll continue to see uh, a benefit to those traffic numbers, partly because of that digital presence, right? I think that really it, reducing that friction and being able to to get what you want to get. I mean, you don't have to just go into the store to get it. You don't have to go to the restaurant necessarily. You can you can you can order it online. You can have it delivered. You can go pick it up. And I mean, you remember the early days of Chipotle, one of the big uh, things we focused on quarter after quarter was throughput, right? I mean, you couldn't go to a Chipotle without knowing that you were probably going to be in a line that went out the door. Um, and they always did such a tremendous job of really getting people through that line very quickly. Um, but but building out that digital presence, um, along with along with the advent of, of delivery, that really has helped sort of, of tackle tackle that issue as well. And, and I've never run into that experience where I've had to go into Kava and wait too terribly long. I, I think it, it you know, it's a nice problem to have, but I think it's just, it, it's a little bit of a, it's a different landscape today, clearly, than it was 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and, and so, certainly, again, they're, they're benefiting from, I think, being able to reach their consumer in, in that omni-channel sense. Um, and the other thing I will say, too, and I, this is, this is, it's a small part of the business today, but there's at least potential, right? They do have a CPG business, right? That, that, that consumer packaged goods services uh, that they offer in grocery stores. I think they said in the S1, their CPG offerings are in 650 grocery stores na nationwide. You got Whole Foods uh, and other concepts carrying uh, kava dips and hummus and whatnot. So there is the potential, right? I don't know that it'll, it'll be something that's terribly meaningful. I, you know, Panera's tried that as well. And it, it, you know, it's it's incremental. I think more than anything else, but it, it's certainly also a brand builder. It makes you aware of the brand, and and, and that uh, could result in in either uh, helping sustain those positive traffic trends, or even maybe you know, it gives them the potential to open open well beyond that one thousand restaurant target that they that they uh, called out in the S one. Switching our gaze over to retail, two very different earnings reports from Target and TJX this week. Jason, to me, it seems like these two companies are kind of a microcosm for what's going on in retail right now and the forces affecting businesses in the space. We look at Target first, disappointing second quarter results. Company's revenue of just under $25 billion was below estimates, adjusted earnings per share ahead of estimates, and the company reduced its full-year outlook. It seems like they're being bitten a little bit by some of that weakness in consumer spending. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they definitely are feeling a little bit of a pinch there. Uh, consumers are being a little bit more thoughtful about how they're spending, and I, I think that is something we should expect to continue and potentially accelerate here as we see uh, student loan payments start back up here. I mean, that that is something when you just do the math. I mean, there's a lot of money that's going to need to be redirected away from places like Target and back to, you know, paying paying off your your student loan debt. But but I think, you know, Target unfortunately is a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, you know, they 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 were able really I think to to bring it down to the bottom line in in a positive way, but but the revenue weakness there, right? Revenue down 5% from a year ago. I mean, revenue is revenue at the end of the day, right? I mean, if you're not growing your sales, 
something's wrong. And, and so they are, there's a confluence of factors here. And I mean, just, you know, going through the call, I mean, they, they noted a few, a few things that really contributed to the weakness here. I mean, discretionary spending, as, as we said, is, is something that is, is uh, people are pulling back on the discretionary spend. They definitely saw some 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 weakness there in the reaction to, to the pride assortment. Uh, that that was something obviously that made head, headlines here over the last several several uh, weeks, and, and that was something that they felt in in traffic as well. Uh, and, and another thing to point out as well, you know, last year they were really in liquidation mode. I mean, a lot of clearance, a lot of discounting, trying to get their inventory levels back to normal. Um, and so, consequently, you know, when, a con when, a, when a store is, is discounting and, and promoting a lot, you, you see a lot of traffic, which is great. This year, they just, they just didn't see that same traffic. It was a tough comp from last year because of all of that discounting. The good news is they've got their inventory levels kind of back to where they want them. I mean, that inventory at the end of the, year, end of the quarter was 17% lower than a year ago. So that's good. We shouldn't expect a lot of discounting going forward. I understand pulling back on the guidance a little bit based on what we know is coming down the pike here in regard to consumer spending. Yeah, they revised their full year outlook for earnings, revenue, and same store sales and brought those down. Um, from the commentary from management, just kind of piecing together what's going on with this business, less high ticket items being bought at a lot of these stores. Target and some of their competitors. Um, it seems like also we're seeing more focus on food and essentials. And Jason, this is a company where I think about 20% of their revenue uh, comes from the grocery segment, uh, not as high as some of their competitors. Do you look at that as something that's maybe an opportunity for them, or do you, do you worry a little bit about what that might mean for uh, customer traffic going to the store? It's certainly an opportunity in that we know how powerful grocery can be. I think we'll learn a lot more tomorrow when Walmart reports, uh, because Walmart has done such a great job of capitalizing on that grocery opportunity. I mean, it's just no question. I mean, we're seeing retailers across the spectrum here. I mean, we're seeing a big pullback on discretionary spend. I mean, we saw Home Depot's results. Uh, big ticket items are being put off. And, and again, we're also seeing this trend where it, you see this language used a lot in these calls where focus uh, is is less on goods and more on services, right? Consumer spending is, is going kind of away from goods and more towards uh, services. And, and, and clearly, that's something that, that could uh, pose a problem for Target, at, at least in the near term. You mentioned before Target's inventory woes. Uh, there's one company that I can think of in particular that benefits tremendously from when retailers have some inventory problems, and that's TJX. We saw <laughs> yeah. results from the parent company of TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and Home Goods this week as well. Shares of the company up four percent after beats on the top and bottom line. And Jason, to me, the headline here is. TJX benefits when other retailers run into problems, and that's exactly what we saw with this quarter. Yeah, and and you know I think they they benefit. I I think always. I think you know this is just it's it's a tremendous it's a tremendous value proposition. I mean it's 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 fascinating to watch. My my daughters love going to TJ Maxx because of all of the discounted stuff they can find from brands that they love. And so yeah, this was a bit of a rosier report as compared to, to Target. And I think that you know as as we see the consumers looking for more value, uh, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, those concepts stand to benefit there. And and you look at how this this company is benefiting, right? I mean, you've, you've got comp stores at, at what they call Marmax, which is the TJ Maxx and the Marshalls stores. I mean, comps are up 8%. And they said it was driven entirely by customer traffic. So, I mean, this isn't a company where you're going to see a, a big focus on pricing, right? They're, they're looking to discount. They're not looking to really raise prices. They're, they create traffic by presenting a tremendous value proposition. And, uh, and that really is, is, is playing out in their results. 
Yeah, and we're seeing that seem it's actually kind of similar to what we saw with Kava in a way. Strong traffic really helping them move things along. Uh, and they, based on the guidance that we saw from management, they expect that to continue. Uh, they raised their full-year outlook for comparable store sales, pre-tax profit margin, and earnings per share following this strong quarter. Jason, when you look at all of the factors in retail, we see inventory benefiting TJX. Uh, we see maybe some opportunistic shopping and some discount shopping benefiting TJX. It's a company that is up on this earnings report. You still feel like there's good opportunity in front of it? I do, yeah. I mean, I think you know, consumers are always going to love uh, value, right? And I think that while we talk about, um, for example, the student loan payments restarting, you know, that isn't just one isolated event. That's something that is going to continue, right? I mean, it's not going to be like a one and done thing. Uh, so, so I think that we are going to see uh, going forward, particularly with with inflation still where it is. I mean, I think consumers are just being more thoughtful about how they spend. Um, and, and as we see these retailers talk about spending kind of going away from goods and more towards services. I mean, that will come back the other way at some point or another, too, right? Um, but, but I mean, TJX is in a position where they can, they can benefit in good times and in bad. It's kind of like with home improvement, right? I feel like Home Depot and Lowe's, they're going to benefit whether it's rain or shine, because you, you always, they're, they're, you're going to need stuff for your house regardless of the weather. And, and so, I think with, with TJX, I mean, they're going to benefit in good times and in bad. Maybe uh, during, during more difficult times, you know, their value proposition becomes a little bit more obvious and becomes a little bit more of a tailwind, um, but but it's also worth it. I mean, this is a company that continues to return value to shareholders in the form of buybacks and dividends. So, I mean, you can be patient, and it gives you a reason to be patient, knowing that you're bringing uh, a little a little extra cash in there via the dividend. And, and you know, the share repurchases are working to an extent, right? I mean, the share count's down about four and a half percent over the last five years. So, yeah, I, I think consumers are always going to love uh, finding good value, and and I don't I don't suspect that will change anytime soon. We'll be looking for more themes in retail in Walmart's results. Jason, I'm curious. I feel like over the last six to nine months, the focus in retail has really been making sure retailers get their inventory right. There's been a little bit more focus on organized theft and shrinkage. Do you continue to see those as the major things to pay attention to, in addition kind of the standard stuff of comps and what we're seeing in the top and bottom line? Or are there any other stories that you're paying attention to with these retailer earnings? I, I really, I think you hit on it there with, with two very important with two very important uh, items there. I mean, inventories, we're seeing those inventory levels come back to normal. And, and again, you know, it's a difficult comp for a lot of these retailers because of all of the liquidation, all of the value, uh, all, all, of the, all of the discounting and Promotion that they were doing a year ago that they're not doing so much now. Um, it, you know that that's just a difficult comp. You got to get past that, and and you know for the most part these companies are. Uh, but seeing there's those inventory levels kind of get back to normal, and, and yeah, I mean. The organized crime, <laughs> the organized theft that that goes on in this industry—it's—it's—it's it's, it's really. It, it, we're learning more about it, right? We're learning how big of a headwind it can be. It's kind of amazing to think about some of the stuff that's going on here. Um, I would imagine that we will see more in the way, uh, more of a focus on that going forward because. You know, you just you just can't have that. You have to fight that every which way you can. And technology, thankfully, is giving these companies better ways to do that. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think those are two two very very important items to keep an eye on going forward. Jason, I know you're paying attention to company earnings. I know you're also uh, kind of in a unique position uh, this back to school season, doing a little <laughs> bit of different kind of uh, retail attention, doing some shopping, and, and making sure that everyone's good to go for for the back to school season. Uh, anywhere else you're paying attention to? Maybe not even the financials, just stores that you're making visits. Oh well, geez. I mean, I you know it's it's 
Ikea is one that always seems to get a lot of our money. And so, at some point or another, that's going to present a very compelling investment opportunity. But yeah, I think um, hopefully, you know, Target is just getting into, into this back to school uh, season for them. And they, they really call that out as, as that, along with like the seasonal holidays, really the biggest driver of sales for them uh, year in and year out. And so, it, it was encouraging to see some positive, uh, some, some positive uh, insight there on the call in regard to their back-to-school season. They feel like that's off to a good start. It is an important time of year for a lot of these retailers. Target, absolutely. I think we'll learn a little bit more about Walmart's take on, on the matter tomorrow. Um, yeah, and, and then we jump into the holiday season. I think that'll be the next real litmus test for a lot of these retailers. Uh, because, as, as we know, I mean, holiday spending, even in difficult times. It's still a very, very busy time of year. Um, and I would imagine these, these, these concepts are going to be all the time as much traffic as they can. Jason, thanks for your insights and thanks for doing what you can to boost the bottom line over at Target. That back to school shopping. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may own stocks mentioned, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.